What a Savior we serve. Amen to that. I hope that you have a love in your heart for Him. He shed His blood for even me. I like that. I, I've heard that song before, but uh, the phrase stood out, for even me. And you know, that's, that's how I came to know the Lord as my Savior. I think most people in this country that we live in know about Jesus Christ. I grew up knowing about Jesus Christ. I had a head knowledge. I had no doubt uh, that uh, who He was. I had no doubt about His Word as being God's Word. I mean, this is as a lost boy who hated church. But when I went to camp and I understood that it was for me He died is when I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And so I hope that this morning, that as you come into this, our gathering this morning, that you have a personal relationship with Him, not just this kind of a knowledge, but this kind of a knowledge. And I want to tell you something, this kind of knowledge is wonderful. And if you don't have it, you're missing out uh, on treasures, treasures, and you'll miss out on heaven as well. Uh, this morning in my practice, as I try to, not always do I do it, but I try to get up and some of the first words in my thoughts and my voice is, I love you, Lord. Why don't we sing that together? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, Father, I pray that our worship this morning has been sweet to your ears. I pray that our hearts are prepared to hear your word. And as Pastor Nathan prayed, not only to hear, but, Father, to take and use this word and to apply this word to our lives. Father, you didn't preserve this scripture just to have entertainment nor to have a a book that uh, conveys history, but you preserve this word to be the living word, to live in our souls and to empower us and to show us what we need. And so, Lord, as we are a needy people this morning, we need to have your word shed its light upon our soul to help us know where we are, what we're doing, where we're going, how we're to conduct ourselves. Father, I'm thankful that I have the privilege to preach your word. Lord, what a treasured word it is. And no matter how many times we've looked at it, it seems like there's something there that, Lord, we just cannot ever exhaust. For, Lord, it is a living, it's a growing word. It just continues to grow in our lives as we grow. And that's the thrill of our relationship with you, not only just being born again, uh, but, Father, to grow that life and to experience that living life, that eternal life. And to grow closer and closer to you on our journey while we're still here. And as we have sung 
this morning some golden daybreak. Someday life's going to be over. It is our prayer, Father, that we have finished well the life that you've given to us. I want to thank you, Father, for all those that came yesterday. It was such an encouragement to me to see those in the cheer of people's hearts and how you used them yesterday to encourage some of those who have been there day after day. And, Father, they went home refreshed and invigorated. Lord, help us to understand that what we do not only affects our lives, our relationship with you, but also others as well. And, Lord, we just had such a hoot of a time. Thank you, Father, for those that cooked the meals and served the meals and set up the meals and those that painted, those that dug in the ditches and those that dug holes and those that cleaned up the grounds and weed whacked and just about anything else that we could have so much fun with. Lord, it's such a treasure to have that fellowship together. And so now, Lord, as we get into this word, I pray that you'll just help something to connect with us as we we deal and talk about uh, this important subject that seems to uh, demoralize people and takes them on uh, the, the joy of the Lord from their heart. Thank you for the song that we sang, Under His Wings. And Lord, that we understand that you have put us under your wings and you protect us. Thank you, Father, for all we have in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as we uh, get into the lesson, we're going to be looking at worries this morning. How many have ever worried? Can I see your hand? (laughs) Uh, Now, it is a social sin as well as a uh, great offense to a holy God in heaven. And I hope that this morning we'll see that. I was thinking this morning, you know, we think of the blight of pornography upon our our country. We think of what's going on in politics. But when you think about worry or anxiety or whatever we can glamorize that word by, and sometimes we even use it as a medal of how tough things can be or what we've got coming up in our lives. The message that we convey out there is that God is not big enough. And I hope that grabs us this morning. Because as I think of those other sins of pornography and things like that, I personally believe that the habit of worry is just as evil. And it is just as bad a testimony. And it will affect you and rob you of the joy of the Lord just like other sins will. And somehow we, we put premiums on other sins. Our society does this too, by the way. And they don't realize how awful this sin is and what effect it can be in our lives and what it does. I think all of us understand that worry is, is wrong and, and we don't want to worry. And, and maybe this morning we can come to that place where we understand what the cure of worry is. Now that would be all right, wouldn't it? To understand the cure. My Bible says the cure of worry. And I believe in these passages, Renee, is some amazing truths. Brother Wayne, some amazing truths on what will help us. And so as I speak, there's someone else that's going to speak this morning. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to listen to. And you might get more out of this message than whatever was conveyed from this pulpit because the Holy Spirit is opening your understanding. That's been my prayer this year. I just started praying this year, Brother Gary, on uh, 
Luke 24:45, then opened he their minds to understand the scriptures. And I want to say that this year has been the richest year in my devotions that I've ever remembered. It's just asking God to open our minds. And so I hope you have asked that. And we go to Sunday school, we come to church. Lord, open my mind to understand the scriptures. Because what I'm going to give, I don't want it to sit on the surface. I want it to go into the hearts. And the Holy Spirit is what brings it into our hearts. The Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word is so powerful. You, my friend, are missing out on so much. If you're not getting into the Word and listening to the Word and understanding the Word. By the way, that's why we have Sunday morning. That's why we have Sunday night. That's why we have Wednesday night. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we give out Bible pathways. That's why we have Bible studies throughout the week. That's why we have discipleship times around here. So that we can grow more and more in the Word of God. Because I personally believe that's what keeps your journey exciting. After 37 years, you know, I tell you what, the Word of God is more exciting today than when I first started in the ministry, Donna. The God's Word is so powerful. So let's look at it. And as we get into this, this is again the Sermon on the Mount, the second year of Jesus' ministry. And, and, and as we've dealt with uh, in verses, uh, the first part, dealing with our, our worship, our, our, our righteousness, our acts of righteousness. And what makes us righteous is Jesus Christ. But then living out that of giving alms and praying and fasting. And then giving of our lives and our treasures and, and all And we dealt a lot with this. And I personally believe, as you get down, therefore I say unto you, you look at that word, therefore. And whenever there's a therefore there, it's got the preceding information. And so he is, I personally believe, he's referring to the paragraph ahead of this, which is 19 through 24. He says about our treasures. He's talking about the singleness of our eyes. He's talking about where our heart is, there will our treasures be also. He's talking about you cannot serve two masters. He's talking about this singleness of life. And I personally believe that in the stock that you put on your things, or I put on my things, or my bank account, or the stock market, or the, whatever it is, that is usually those things that we worry about. Would you not agree? Do you ever worry about that God will fail? He can't fail, can He? But the stocks can fail, can't they? People get caught up in those things. Can your car break down? All right? Those things can happen, and so things are out there. Let me just, uh, as we talk about the curse of worries and, and understand that, but I want to give you what Solomon says. Interesting passage. I read this in my devotions this uh, week, I think. Uh, yes, it was this week. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 15. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. For every official is under orders from higher up, 
and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. By the way, I sent that verse to our county commissioner this week because we're working on getting a quiet zone at the Irving Crossing. You all ought to pray about that. By the way, do you know how many things God has been answering prayer to? It's just so amazing. And so I've been praying for this quiet zone, and it would seem almost an impossibility because Eugene has been dealing with this for over 10 years, and they still haven't done it. So I'm bending the ear of our county commissioner and, and all. And so I sent him this because when you get into governmental things, there's a lot of red tape out there. Would you agree? I thought that was an interesting verse. This is a modern translation, by the way. If uh, even the king <laughs> milks the land for his own profit. My uh, daughter and her husband, they, they, uh, he just graduated, got his doctor's degree in pharmacy. His starting salary, starting salary, 125000 Praise I see, That's what I say. I know where I'm going to live. <laughs> and, uh, no, they're in, uh, where are they? are in North Carolina now. And she texts this week. This is, she texts this week. She says, I can't believe my husband's paycheck. What they took out in taxes. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Isn't that right? They milked the land for his own profit or, you know, for those that are out there. Uh, those who love... Now, this is the part. Those who love money will never have enough. Johnny Bench, and maybe some of you remember him. That's a long time ago. I think it was back in the 60s there. And uh, he was... And imagine this. He was the first professional athlete, I believe it was, to make a million dollars a year. Now, that's peanuts today. Uh, he says, what, they asked him, what do you want in life? He says, I'd like more money. Those that love money will never have enough. So, therefore, there's a good indication if we love money. Would you not agree? You're never satisfied. And, in fact, when you take that verse, which Solomon wrote some thousand years before Christ came, and then you compare that to 1 Timothy, Paul's writing uh, uh, in chapter 6, and, and he, he starts off with that love of money. He, he talks about being content, satisfied. And then he goes into the love of money, never have enough. Solomon, the richest man at all, he says, How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Isn't that something? I was over in Africa, and those people had diddly squat. Diddly squat. But yet they were the happiest people that I've ever seen. The more you have, the more, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> I just love that. I mean, I was just reading this and I thought, wow, this is so much. So, so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well. I like this part. 
and you, you see a lot of pessimism in uh, uh, Solomon because he become very pessimistic and very uh, negative about life because he pursued wealth. And you read the chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, pursued wealth, he pursued women, pursued science and history and all these kinds of things. And, uh, but he says here, and there's always good things that he brings out, all right? He, he, shows, he shows the side of life without God, and then he brings in some aspects of wisdom. He says, people who work hard sleep well. I slept well last night, painting yesterday. George, you slept well last night, I believe, and some of those others, uh, um, man, some of those are digging. Uh, uh, oh, my. Uh, but uh, what does it say? Whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. Why do you think? Starting to worry. Starting to think about all the stuff. There is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour, and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Now, the same God who wrote Ecclesiastes is the same God that wrote Matthew chapter 6. And that's exactly what it says. Lay not up for your treasures, what? Here. And so in that wisdom of Ecclesiastes, you see this, and this now becomes much of the source of worry. Let me read you uh, here. And as I read verses 25 through 34, uh, see what sticks out in your mind. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, uh, nor yet uh, your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than remnant? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his statures? And why take ye thought for remnant? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we uh, drink? Or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Alright? So in this portion of scriptures, what, what stood out? couple things. What stood out? Don't worry. <laughs> Alright, don't worry. He says it six times. He noticed in verse 25, he says, therefore, I say don't take thought. He says that in 31, therefore, take no thought. In 34, therefore, take no thought. When something is emphasized that many times and that short of scriptures, God wants us to get the point, like Darlene says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. And so as we talk about this, the ideas of stress and the curse of, uh, of worry. Whoops, where we got here? The curse of worry is in your cares. The curse of worry is in your cares. Man's philosophy, man's view. Again, as we talked about there, this, 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 the vision of what's around here, being under the weather and the philosophy of life. And, you know, I, 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 I come to verse 25 and he, and he asks the question, is not the life more than meat? When people have their concept of caught up in this life and living for this life, this is where they get into trouble. They're more consumed about what they're going to put on the meal, uh, out for the meal and what they're going to wear and, and what they're going to have versus how am I going to live today for God's glory. There's a consuming philosophy that grabs people's attention which causes their demise and that is the cares of this world, the things of this world. They're so caught up here and that is the source. If we would be caught up in, uh, in our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, let Him take care of our lives. By the way, do you think He could do a better job than us? Absolutely. Because He cares for us. So don't dignify the words uh, concerns or burdens or anxiousness. Uh, when He says, how great is that darkness in the previous verses... When you don't have a single vision, how great is that darkness? One writer wrote it like fog. Worry is like fog. You ever consider, we have a lot of fog around here, don't we? Do you ever consider how much water it takes to make fog? Now, I don't know how they calculate this, but John MacArthur was one who said that... Uh, uh, covering seven cities a hundred feet deep in fog is equivalent to one glass of water. How many say that surprises me? And yet, if God can take one glass of water and create that much fog, what can He do with all the riches that He has in our lives? Oh, we're missing out on so much in our lives. So he says, take no thought. Let's look at this word, take no thought. This word, take no thought, means to be drawn in different directions. 
We've been talking about this on Wednesday night about letting our minds stay on Jehovah, living in the heavenlies. And we've been talking about the battle that goes on in our minds, the warfare and everything. And I've got an illustration for this Wednesday that, uh, Brother uh, Mike, you're going to be a part of that, all right? So you make sure that you're here on Wednesday because uh, you're going to help me preach the message on Wednesday night. But you've got to come Wednesday night to see it. I got a, an amazing, uh, just sitting down and just, I mean, it's just, so we can see it. We can see it. This word, take no thought, is this distraction. My life verse is Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Drawn away in different directions. Pulled apart. That's what worry is. You're being pulled apart. You're being pulled in all these different directions. All these things that are going on. And it brings me to the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You know the story of Martha and Mary. You all know that story? Uh, Two beloved sisters of the Lord. Uh, They had a brother whose name was Lazarus. And, uh, And so... Uh, Martha is and, and Mary and in their home, Lazarus and in, in their home, they're putting on this meal. Now, ladies, you can probably relate to this more than the men can. Whenever you have somebody come over to your house, do you get a little worried? Are they going to think my house is clean enough? Are they going to think that we have enough substance of things. By the way, this is one of the biggest reasons why women do not have people over to their houses because they're more concerned about what people think about their homes than the love that they have for people. Ouch. Now, men don't get it. Women are more attuned to how things are in the house. And then women can become overburdened by these things. But in this passage, there are two women, right? There are two women. And it's interesting, this comparison that's brought out. And it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him unto her house. Now, when it says received him into their into her house, I dare say it wasn't just Jesus. It probably was his 12 disciples. I kind of envision that this isn't just a meal for one. I believe this is a meal probably for at least 15 can you imagine if you're having 15 over people over to your house, would you get a little stressed out? Sometimes we can think, maybe, are we going to have enough food? Are we going to be able to pay our bills if we have that many people over? You know, there's a lot of things that go into our minds. And if I could just say this to all of our families here, we need to be spirit-led when it comes to hospitality. Does God talk about hospitality in the scriptures? It was a wonderful meal that we had yesterday. And I was thinking of the dear souls that came out there and they set up, I mean, they set up this spread and, and we, we got out there on, we ate off of four by eight sheets of, of plywood. That was all right. And I said, this is, this is like a 4th of July picnic. And someone said, well, Carolyn's not here to put the, 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 uh, the tablecloths on the tables. <laughs> 
But it was so wonderful. Wasn't it, Pastor Nathan, just sitting down there? I mean, we were probably all pretty tired and we got to enjoy the meal. People given to hospitality. I thank the Lord for the team of hospitality we here have in our church. Some 40, 50 people are on that team of hospitality here. We're having missionaries come in. We have people that uh, come to stay. And, and, and Brother Zach and his wife Ruth, they're flying in Tuesday night. And they're going to be staying upstairs in the prophet's chamber. Do you think it would be good for them to get to know you? Love on them. They're leaving everything to come out here to be with us. Love on them. But as you think about this, and I don't know what goes in our minds, but we need to stop and say, oh God, what do you want me to do? And Martha received them into their house and and she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. Now, there's so much in here. And Martha was cumbered. You notice I, I bolted that word up there. Cumbered. The word cumbered is an interesting word. It's in the imperfect passive. We've been talking about Greek on Wednesday nights. Imperfect passive is an interesting aspect. Uh, it's, it's, it's where she is. It's, it's not that she's going forward, but... Everything that led up to where she is right now, she's cumbered. And being in the passive means that she is being controlled by those things that brought her to this place right now. I was reading in Charles Stanley's uh, book on emotions. And in there he says it is very important for us to identify what is causing the deficiencies of our life. I thought, that's interesting. We come to a place in our life and it's like Martha stopped. And the things that led up to where she was, even though she was having all these people over, it controlled her and it says she was cumbered. Imperfect, passive. That word cumbered comes from the word distracted. Pulled apart. Overoccupied. Interesting word, would you not agree? Can you even in serving the Lord become overoccupied? That's why we need to be spirit led. I caution people, and around here we try, the pastors try not to put pressure on people to respond in certain ways. It's so much better if we're saying, God, what do you want me to do about this work day? Lord, what do you want me to do about this person here? Lord, you know, and every day it's getting up in the morning, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. As we learned, by the way, in the Lord's prayer here. She was distracted. And that word serving is the word we get our word deacon. She was in that capacity. She was serving. And she came to him, the Lord, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Have you ever had that feeling? I think that was what was so great about yesterday. And I, and I, and you know what, Gary, you, you, you would probably be able to say more about this. Gary's been working over that project 
when he's not uh, uh, playing, playing with taxes. And, uh, and, and he's over there all that time and working and everything like that. And he's seen some of our leaders over there get discouraged. And we had a, a, an executive meeting on Thursday of this week. And where you, could, you could just feel that, that there are some that are getting weary. Because the projects kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. And then Brother Larry put down uh, all the man hours that was requ- required to finish this project. And we needed three and a half people a week per day, per day, to finish in a feast, 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 feast uh, wonderful time. <laughs> Fashionable time. And we kind of, I don't know about you, but I mean, Gary, I mean, I kind of walked away from that. Man, we need... 500 and some man hours. And we came to Saturday and our brothers and sisters came along and God skilled hands and God helped an amazing work day to take place. It was so exciting, wasn't it, Pastor Nathan? It was, it was, was did, were you encouraged from yesterday? He, he was so encouraged that he stayed there longer to paint the walls out. I don't, I don't know what got in you. I don't stop. Stop. No, I got to finish. No, stop. <laughs> oh. But Martha, and listen. Can I bring a warning here? When we look at what other people are doing, we can discourage ourselves from what we're doing. And I just want to encourage you, don't put your eyes on man, what they're doing or what they're not doing. You put your eyes on the Lord, what He wants you to do, and just go out and do what He wants you to do. Martha has a problem here. She's cumbered. She's distracted. Man, i got to get this ready. And, and, all, and all these people are going to keep coming in and, and everything. My sister... Better come and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Have you ever had the Lord say, Gregory, Gregory? You know, before Alicia Schick died, uh, Charlotte, she gave me a little plaque. It's on my desk. And uh, she put on there about... Uh, I'm in control. But she didn't just put, I'm in control on there, talking about God. She put on there to start off, Gregory, I'm in control. You see, when your mother called you by your legal name, you knew that you were legally responsible for something that you didn't do. (laughs) And that's what the Lord, He's stopping her. Martha, Martha, thou art careful. That word there, distracted, taking thought. That's the same word there. He says, thou art careful. And what? Troubled. Troubled. That word troubled comes from the word that is a, which is a turbulent. So he's talking about there the cares, the worries, the anxieties. And then he goes in, he says, and you're also troubled. There's a turbulence that's going on in your mind. It's like a storm taking place. You can imagine how 
difficult this can be as you got so much on your platter. Possibly you have things on your platter that ought not to be there. 42, uh, he says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. She has chosen. By the way, that is in the aorist tense. Now, that's interesting. Oftentimes, when we've talked about the tenses in the Greek language, it's, it's, it's in reference to a, uh, the kind of action that's taking place. And usually when we talk about character or behavioral things, that it's in the present tense. That means this is the way you're living. When it's saying there that she has chosen, in the aorist tense means she's put her feet down. She's not going to be moved. May God help all of us to make the right choices. And that's like putting a stake down. We've made a decision. You know what would be great for today? Is that we would make the decision, I have chosen, I'm going to worship God. No matter what. Nothing is going to move me from my position. I'm going to live out of that position and worship the Lord. It could be... Uh, if God breaks our heart and speaks to us about how uh, this is such a, a horrible sin, that maybe some of us would make a decision saying, I'm going to choose not to worry. And when the storms of life come blowing my way, I have an anchor that is upon a solid rock. Amen to that? What happens in this distractions or this turbulence is the weather changes and pretty soon we're being blown away by what's going on in our life. I have a rock in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I, 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 I uh, have a verse that I memorized, Psalm 61, 1 and 2. It says, Hear my cry, O God. Uh, uh, I, will, I will lift up my voice unto thee. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You see, I believe that a part of the cure is in our choices. And making a choice to say, you know what? I recognize that this is a sin and I need the Lord Jesus Christ as my rock. So we're going to get into the cure of it, but we see the curse. The curse is the cares. The curse is upon our eyes. We're, we're amassing weapons of mass distractions. And I don't think people understand how dangerous it is. In Luke chapter 12, verse 29 and seek not ye that ye shall eat. This is in reference to the same aspect of the Sermon on the Mount. Or what you shall drink, neither be ye of a what? Doubtful mind. Now there's a couple of aspects of that word doubtful. The way it's described, uh, let me ask you this question. And it says you have a doubtful mind. Uh... Where, where do you think your doubt is in? Or who it's in? God. You have a doubtful mind in God. Remember what it says, O ye of little faith? 
You know, if you were to look at verses, and, and I'm going to say this because I'm not going to be able to finish the message today, but if you were to look at uh, 30 and uh, 32 and 33, you'll notice, and I would encourage you to circle these three words in, in verse 30, uh, O ye of little faith. Cir- you, if you see that word faith, and then in 32, Father, and then in 33, first, the three F's there, faith, Father, first. I believe that that's the key, the cure here, is faith in your Father because He's first in your life. My responses to the winds that are blowing contrary to what I'd like in my life, I seek first the kingdom of God. Do you see that? He's bringing that in. We Most of us know that word, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But putting it in context, this whole idea of the things that are coming up in our lives so that we're not in a doubtful mind. That word doubtful actually comes from a word that we get our word weather. It is basically the idea of a storm, and it's used oftentimes in the idea of a storm and a ship in the storm being tossed all over the place. And if we don't believe who God is, we will worry. That's what I want to help us to understand this morning as we come to an invitation time is that we need to see Him as our Creator, who God is, and that we worship Him for who He is. Or else we will be tossed to and fro. And by the way, verse 27, can you add life by worry? Let me ask you a question. Can you worry yourself to life? Or what's the the phrase as it goes? I'm worrying myself to death. There's more truth to that than you and I realize. They say, and I forget what, I'm just going to throw out a figure, but it's someplace around there, that they say that most medical problems that people have today, 80% has to do with stress. Isn't that something? We have lots of things that go on in our lives, but we have a God who takes care of us. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? Right or wrong? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Right or wrong? You know, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the breads of sorrows, For so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, that's sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night or something like that, I quote that verse. He gives his beloved sleep. And what a precious truth it is that God gives us a sleep at night. May God help us as we uh, talk about the curse of worry. And we're going to get into the cure next Sunday. Is that all right if we take another Sunday off on this? Father, I pray that you will help us as we're finishing maybe a little bit early. But, but yet, Lord, I, I believe that there's some marvelous things here that we're going to just need to, to soak up on. Lord, help us to understand the insult it is to you. Help me to understand 
the insult it is to you, who you are, the creator, the controller of life. You put the planets in space. You hang the stars where they are. And yet we have little faith because we don't understand some aspects of who you are. Or we maybe we've not applied our faith to go on our journeys here. So, Lord, I pray that you will help us now as we might just digest what we've heard this morning. The curse of worry. I know for myself, Lord, I've asked you time and time again to forgive me. I find that in my own self that I'm like Martha. And I can relate to her. Cumbered. Cares. Distracted. Turbulence. Troubles. Doubtful. Father, I pray that you will help us as we stop mortgaging our lives on worry that brings us nowhere, but that we would have greater liberties in our soul to trust in you. You know, Lord, as I think of all the challenges that we faced in various aspects of things, we have seen your hand in so many ways, but yet like Israel, who it saw the crossing of the Red Sea, Three days after that, they began to worry about what they were going to drink. And then, not long after that, they began to worry about what they are going to eat. Instead of seeing who you are, they saw who they were. And they complained. Such that they lost the treasures. And so it is with us. We will miss out on this wonderful journey of life, a life of faith, living by faith rather than by sight. Father, you said that faith was the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I would say that, Father, to most of us in this room, we are people of little faith. And so, Lord, we have come to you time and time again and ask you to forgive us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to challenge you. This is not a light matter. If anything, God's been pricking my heart for several months. Oh, he has throughout my journey, but even more so the last six months. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. We let our decisions be controlled by our ability rather than God's. I want to encourage you as a congregation that you and I will stand before the Lord someday and give an account of our lives. Let's be spirit-led. That can be in our hospitality. That can be in what we do or don't do. May God help us with that. So, Lord, as we come to an invitation time, faith in our Father because He's first. If He is not first, if you are not first, Lord, then, Lord, help us to understand that and, Lord, ask You to forgive us.
we need to just examine what's going on in our lives. And I'm so glad that Jesus took the time to say, Martha, Martha, you are cumbered about with so many things, so many distractions. There's so much in this world, Lord, that's taking our attention off of you. It is my prayer that you will help us as a congregation, as individuals, as families, as brothers and sisters, that we keep our eyes focused on you. I'm afraid, Lord, that we miss out so much because we're concerned about others in the wrong way. Maybe what they would think, or maybe they're not involved, or maybe they're doing this or that. Father, we have an individual responsibility to you to live the life that you've called us to live. Help us to finish well. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the invitation number, honey? 440. We're going to sing that this morning. I'm not sure what the song title is. Trusting Jesus. Amen. Easier sung than done sometimes. But boy, when you can come to that place where you simply trust Him. Amen. Let's stand together. As God has spoke to your heart, will you respond? Simply trusting every day, trusting through, pray even when trusting Jesus, that is get something this morning can we take it out and apply it to our lives this week and maybe you need to have your worry indicator up there say hey where am I how am I responding to things that's happening am I applying God's scriptures you're going to see the indicator going down you know if we put these indicators in our car for engines getting over hard or hot boy my tongue is uh I think I got too much pain in my mouth yesterday is what the thing is. Uh, But we have these indicators in there. There's indicators in our lives. May we just be aware of what's going on. Aware of our God who's in charge of all things. Amen. Well, blessings to you. If there's other decisions to be made, I encourage you to make them tonight. We're having the business meeting. Tonight we'll be voting on selling this property here. So you need to come back for that meeting and talking about the things of the Irving Project and other decisions. Zach and Ruth coming on board. A softball game uh, tomorrow night. And then Camp Putt, the Golden Chosen, are going to go there. They are meeting on Tuesday. And then the barbecue party for the home builders is on Friday. And uh, senior camp is two weeks away and we need more kitchen help and we need more lady counselors if you've not signed up and you can take off that time we would love you to come and help us and uh, i encourage that and then campers need to be signed up as well and today or yesterday i think it was or thursday excuse me i think it was the 51st anniversary of gary and marilyn vanderville amen amen 
When you see them today, thank them for a good example uh, of their lives for us. God bless you. You are dismissed.